0: I think, uh, we have any more accusers this week of anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone newly accused? I'm losing track. Well, you know,
1: if, we, if we're not counting
0: famous people, I
1: think yeah. we're in the clear.
0: Who was the, uh, who's the photographer? There was a fashion photographer that got caught up in all this too, some Vogue guy. Really? I, yeah. Accused? I, no, no, like he had, he, he got, I mean, well, in addition, I mean, there was, you know, the Roy Price over at Amazon yeah, got, yeah. got he got fired. He got, yeah, he got canned and then uh the then the guy from uh what CNN or something Halperin? Uh, Mark Halperin Mark yeah. Halperin uh, got got blown uh, out and... Commentator on a lot of shows but definitely CNN <laughs> it's kind of amazing yeah. the fallout out of all this in every
1: possible direction yeah. uh, no field of endeavor has been you know yeah. uh, but
0: the the most important thing is not you know to is is what are you doing going forward to make sure this stuff doesn't happen again and uh i think rule number 1 is going to be, dear directors and producers, no more taking meetings in your hotel rooms.
1: You know, you Seriously. You, you said it a few weeks ago on the show, on Film Week, uh, you know, when, when the early days of, of the events. Yeah. And, and you said that the problem is that Hollywood, uh, the film industry, uh, television film, you know, writ large, yes. is just incredibly unprofessional. It is. It's, it's it's not like I mean I and I know these problems do exist in lots of other lots, businesses but, sure. but but nevertheless you're right about that. This is an incredibly unprofessional people do and say and behave ways in this
0: business that they don't in other businesses. And, and it's twofold actually. Uh, the, the the reason the first re- well it's th- sort of threefolds and one is related to the other one. The first reason is because this was a beginner, an industry that was started by outcasts, right? I mean, the people who started the film business were, for the most part, uh, Eastern European uh, Jewish immigrants, immigrants across the board. Um, And a lot of people who were just kind of carny folk in the United States. They came from, uh, you know, the the, the circus circuit, the carnival circuit. Vaudeville. From from Vaudeville. uh, You know, yeah. I mean, Chaplin came out of Vaudeville and Keaton came out of Vaudeville. and, And these are people who are on the margins, right, where you're sort of rejects to begin with. So you don't... The, the social graces, the business practices, those entrenched sort of institutional behaviors, all that stuff that you see in Mary Poppins, right? Yeah. The way that he's supposed to behave at the bank, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like the Mr. Banks, you, know, you have to be proper and so forth and buttoned up. And I'm not saying that stuff's good because that's what Mary Poppins is about, is about how that's just really, I'll stifle you, but a little bit wouldn't hurt. You know, you wouldn't be having people in, taking their bathrobes off in, in front of actresses in hotel rooms. It the Hollywood never had social graces inculcated into it from its its founders because they just weren't those people, and I think uh, that birthed the second problem, which mm. is that we have now people who think that because we're artistic, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that we're special, and we don't have to you know we don't have to be like we're we're weird we're freaky I can you know I'll I'll walk into a meeting wearing you know flip flops and no shirt. And you have to take me seriously because I'm a director and I'm artistic. And, yeah, yeah, You know that just—that's that, an excuse. It's a bunch of foolishness and it's nonsense.
1: It, and, and if if it, if it were ever true, um, it, it was seldom true. Yeah. And and even then, it was probably still wrong. I think of Hal um, uh, Hal Hartley. Uh, uh, or Ashby,
0: Ashby, Hal Ashby, yeah, Ashby. with the hair and the flip, but, you know, and the
1: whole and, uh, and 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 he was a groovy guy, an easygoing guy, yeah. and you know, and not ex- actually <laughs> earlier in his life he had been very
0: much a suit and tie guy. Well, the funny thing about Hal Ashby is Ashby's a good example because yes, Ashby looked like a you know a groovy '60s hippie, but when you were on the set with Hal Ashby, you were on the set with a professional. Yes, he was a pro. Just because he had long hair and he looked like a guy who just walked out of Woodstock didn't matter he worked with you he was a pro and he was serious and he made great movies he made great movies and he wasn't high and it was and he, and he yeah.
1: didn't take advantage and you know yeah. and all that kind of stuff so i don't know it's 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 you know a lot, a lot a lot of what hollywood did learn how to do over those years is how to put on a suit yeah and how to clean itself up on the outside yeah uh, how to build great facades really great yeah. facades
0: the fa- the facades well, of the movies but the facades of hollywood too and you know the, and the third thing that i was going to get to is the 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 issue that m- Film productions, despite the fact that you have studios, which are businesses, each film production is its own business. Yeah. So you are building a manufacturing business that's only going to last for a few months and then it's done. And so, so each production doesn't re- – it's not like a corporation where it sort of evolves its own culture and procedures and departments and all that stuff over time. It, it sort of falls together quickly and then it falls apart quickly. And, and you know, if the chemistry isn't there and people misbehave, then they just – It doesn't just, really make any difference because we'll, yeah. be we'll be working for a different company, so to speak. Exactly. Next So the, 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 the long-term accountability is not there. You sort of feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I can do anything because there's no consequences. Yeah. So all of that is going to have to be addressed at some point down the line. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, Tim, let's get into the uh, the meat that we have this week. Um, uh, we got a couple of a couple of a little. I'll just do a couple of little one offs here at the beginning. I, I am not a fan of Slipknot. I don't know if you are uh, into the slip? band. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know
1: me, I'm a little little hard punk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... But
0: not my thing I gotta be honest but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make mention of it because I know some people are got uh, from the people over at Eagle Vision this is a uh, a Blu-ray and CD combo of Slipknot Day of the Gusano I've I not even spent a single second trying to figure out what "gusano" means or what it is or why I should care. Uh, this stuff's really hard. It's not my it's not my scene, but I'm, I'm going to let you know it's out there. This was uh, recorded in uh, Mexico City in uh, December of 2015, and uh, it was part of not Fest. K-N-O-T, not to be confused with not Fest. <laughs> K-N-O-T-T. Which is a wonderful festival of berries and, and jams and so forth at Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, anyway. Uh, so you know, there you go. Slipknot Day of the Gusano, G-U-S-A-N-O, it's kind of creepy.
1: Alrighty, <laughs> alrighty, alrighty. And then
0: we also have Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies, complete collection, thirtieth anniversary edition. Out on DVD. Richard Simmons who's alive and well by the way there yeah. were rumors that he wasn't but he is yeah that 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 was just so bizarre yeah. and uh, you know I've, I've driven by his house a couple people keep they take me past his house every once in a while which is in the Hollywood Hills or Bel Air somewhere and, um, anyway, so sweating to the oldies, uh, still fun, still hilarious. And, uh, I am a Richard Simmons fan. I will admit it. I, he had a, you know, he had a TV show for a moment. Do you remember that TV oh, yes. show where he would do those weird sketches and then he'd just help a whole lot of people exercise yes, and, and yes. tell and then he'd, and then he'd tell it, this was the pattern of that show. It would start off with a really wacky sketch and then you dip in and Richard is in a room with a whole bunch of people who need to exercise. They're not beautiful people. And uh, most, almost all women, occasionally men, I think there may have been. And then he would tell them something really heartfelt and sentimental, and there'd be violin music. And then we exercise. <laughs> and then we'd exercise, and then he'd tell a joke, and everyone would laugh, and then they'd exercise. And at the end, he'd tell them something really sentimental, and he'd wave to the camera, and he'd go bye-bye. <gasps> and, uh, you know, I was, I was like in high school or something, and I remember sitting there and just watching this after school, eating a, eating a sandwich or a hot dog or something, and thinking this was a whole lot of fun. And now I look back, and I go, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the weirdest way to spend my after-school hour. I should have been watching cartoons. Anyway, Sweat into the Oldies. Uh, the uncut releases of Sweat into the Oldies, volumes one through five, all of them on one Time Life uh, DVD set. It's really a whole lot of fun. i, I got to be honest. The nostalgia factor here is is great. It also includes a bonus DVD and a 20-page photo album. And man, are those photographs going to just... <laughs> Take you back? Yeah, wow. indeed,
1: indeed, indeed, indeed. All right, Tim. New movies. Uh, there have been a there's been a whole lot of um, uh, a uh, Stephen King, uh, oh, the yeah. the the successful Stephen King, It, which I think is still in theaters oh, right yeah, now, making killing it, making crazy amount of money, killing it. Yeah, Halloween was good for that for movie. that movie. Right before that, The Dark Tower came out. It was Joe Matthew McConaughey, uh, didn't do as well. You and I saw this together. Yeah, we saw this together in, yeah. in, 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 in an odd situation. And and then I had to talk about it on the show. I think I'm the only film critic in uh, the world who kind of liked this movie just a little bit. They, we we both a certain, liked it. We both liked it. There's a certain charm to this movie. Lots of special features on this DVD here. And you read the, uh, you the read, you're familiar the, with the book. The series of books. Yes, the series uh, of which books. Which is connected to some other books and all these kind of things to go together in a very sort of odd set of ways. To my mind, Idris Elba is just about the best uh, person to play the gunslinger. Uh, uh, he he looks like the guy, and Matthew McConaughey is actually having a hell of a lot of fun in this movie too. As far as I'm concerned, it gets a little crazy. It can be a little funny, but I but I, you know I kind of dug it. I, it, and it definitely followed the book, the narrative of the book fairly closely. Ah, uh, there's a lot more going on in the books, but what goes on in this movie are things that go on in the in in the books.
0: Well, I have I never read the book. I was familiar <laughs> with the fact that this was a thing that uh, it, you know they tried for years to get this thing launched, and uh, they finally got it up and running uh, under the direction of Nikolai Arcel, who may not have been the best director for this. You know, he's he's a European art film guy, but. Uh still I find the the story the world that it inhabits actually quite fascinating. It's obviously a very um uh, I mean I want to give too much away here, but it it's it's there is an alternate universe or an or or a an alternate part of our universe where there is something going on and there's it's another planet basically. Yeah. 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 And, and children are being used to power this and there's event. A, and Matthew McConaughey is the bad guy. He's the sorcerer. He's the uh You know, it's Lord of the Ringsy. Yeah. You know, he's the guy who wants to sort of bring the universe under his control, and he controls magic. And then uh, Idris Elba is the gunslinger who is, you know, responsible for keeping this resistance alive that's almost been crushed, and uh, and working to kind of liberate all society. I mean, it's very Joseph Campbell, right? right Exactly to a Uh, a T. Hero's journey. It's
1: all that's going on in that movie.
0: But you know what? I I it it compelled me. I thought Matthew McConaughey was smart casting against type. And uh, Idris Elba just kind of, you know, I, I'm sorry that his career didn't sort of hit this phase 15 years ago, because yeah. it would have been great to have another 50 Idris Elba movies under our belt with this, with his his star heft. But he's there, he's arrived, and he's making the most of it. A lot of the great stuff on the Blu-ray, uh, deleted scenes and uh, and featurettes, blooper reel, um, yeah, and a, and a thing on Matthew McConaughey talking about how he kind of put that character together, and that's really interesting. Yeah, that's a bit of a hoop. Um, a Kidnap, a Halle Berry film. Uh,
1: this was terrible. It was really bad. Uh, and it was it, almost at the point of being kind of funny. Louis Prieto directed this film, made a yeah. film called Pusher. Mm-hmm. which was actually a pretty good film, about 2012, 11, 12, 13, something like that. And that was pretty good. This didn't work. This, anyway, it, it is what it says this. Halle Berry plays his mom. Uh, she has this little boy. little boy gets kidnapped by these people in this... Uh, in this car, she's in this minivan, and she goes after them. One of the funny bits is that they're in this Mustang and she's in this minivan. She can keep up with them in the minivan. And across the the arc of most of this film, Hallie, because she's in the van by herself, Mm -hmm. is talking out loud to herself, basically telling us everything that she's about to do you know know, oh don't get off the highway oh don't get off the highway and then she gets off the highway and and, and it's just it it drives it drove me a little bit crazy it should have worked but it just plain didn't in any case bonus feature on this a thrilling behind the, the, uh, the scenes look at kidnap Wow. Yeah, You know, I got in trouble on the radio because Halle Berry plays a waitress at a diner, waitress at a diner. And she's in that scene, and she's so beautiful, it's insane. And I'm thinking to myself, if I own that diner, first thing I'd do is give Halle Berry my diner. Halle, <laughs> have a diner. <laughs> Let's, you, you, you're not a waitress anymore. Let's just hang <laughs> out. You, 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 you can have the diner. You just hang out here and do whatever the hell you want. You're Halle, <laughs> you're Halle freaking Berry. Haven't you looked in the mirror?
0: whatever Uh, silly me well so halloween has passed but we uh we have actually a a a rather entertaining uh halloween oddity here this is from the uh, people at uh, mvd by way of cleopatra records and it is called halloween i kid you not halloween pussy trap kill kill (laughs) <laughs> now that clearly is a reference to Russ Meyer and all mm. kinds of exploitation stuff. And, uh, y- yes, it's, this is, you know, a, uh, this is a, a little bit of a kind of a, a nutty insanity. So there's just sort of no way to explain this. It's a complete and total throwback, uh, about a girl band, which, uh, has a, Oh gosh, how would I put this? Um, they haven't if something happens on halloween and even though halloween's out of the way it's okay you can you can you can you know this is uh, evergreen it doesn't have to be watched only on halloween uh, anyway it's about a girl band that runs afoul of a very bad man and who manages to to uh, put them in a female in jeopardy situation and from there, it gets very, very. Uh, let's you know, it sort of follows the the pattern of the um, you know, uh, I'll spit on spit on my grave yeah. kind of yeah, right. It's it's one of those. Uh, so the, the cast is just ridiculous I mean everybody is in this I mean a whole bunch of exploitation and B-level people uh, the, um, Richard Grieco is in this of all people I don't know what's happened to his career he, you know, he replaced Johnny Depp and then Johnny uh, yeah, Depp yeah. became star and Grieco becomes nothing uh, and there's the, the, the uh, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth has a role to play in this as well I won't tell you anything else it's, it's exactly what you would expect from the title Halloween Pussy Trap Kill Kill it is a a throwback tribute to exploitation films of a certain type and it does it uh, surprisingly well and entertainingly with a good dose of camp. Um little a uh, little quickie somebody threw together here with uh, nobody in it of note except for uh, Luke Goss is mind blown which is uh kind of a, you know it's it's Rather a silly movie about a bunch of people who are all psychic and can do things with their minds. If you imagine like an action thriller with a bunch of carries uh, who do what Carrie does only a few times in the movie, like every five minutes, <laughs> that's what this is. Uh, it it's it's it doesn't have enough money to really be as as cool as they think it is. But you know, I uh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. There, there's your pull quote. I didn't hate it, Wade Major. <laughs> uh, Mo- Wolves at the door is uh, is not my idea of a good movie, but I'll let you know it's there. I'm I'm I don't really like the idea of of uh, movies about the Manson family, movies inspired by the Manson family. I, I I'm not fond of any of it. I'm skeptical about Quentin's attempt to tell that story. I think it's exploiting a horrible horrible tragedy, and yet it. It continues to inspire so yeah. this is wolves at the door is uh, is inspired by the Manson story uh, it takes a lot of liberties it is not literally that story but it uh, just knowing that makes it a little bit creepy to me so it's not a badly made film but I have problems with the subject matter and then lastly is a movie called step which yeah. is surprisingly sweet and inspiring uh, this is uh, takes place in Baltimore in the inner city and it is uh this is really uh this is this is quite a quite a really solid movie um, it was a very powerful documentary watching yeah. those young girls yep yeah. it's uh, you know. it 's it's one of those documentaries i mean we 've had a lot of those about spelling bees and things and mm-hmm. people finding hope in life through something but yeah. uh, this is really solid, just you know how dance and uh and, 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 and stepping which goes back to historically black colleges all the way back to the turn of the last
1: century and Uh, plays a role in their lives and unifies them and gives them something to focus on as they exist in the very difficult sort of urban environment and what's going on in Baltimore. Baltimore, in some ways, is worse than South
0: Chicago. Far worse, yeah. Yeah. And, Uh, uh, but what's, what's most inspiring about this is not even so much the stepping, it's the camaraderie, the friendship, the sisterhood. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's got a lot, it's got a lot going for it. They got these
1: goals. The, The goal of the program that those young ladies are, is in, are in, is to graduate. From high school. Yep. That is like a very, in, in, which first of all, consider that. This is like the big goal, to just make it out of high school. Yeah. Uh, and But if they can achieve it, they will achieve something that a whole lot of women from that community, young people from that community, don't achieve. Yeah, it's so, good. Uh, it's, it's
0: really like that. good. So it's a good, sharp film. Step, uh, and uh, that also includes deleted scenes, director's commentary from Amanda Lippitz, and uh, music video, and uh, a couple of little featurettes, including some rehearsal material. Solid film. You think mm. that you think that stands a chance of an Oscar nomination? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've been doing, I've been, I've been
1: hosting panels for a lot of uh, the Documentary.org dot um, documentaries, yep. IDA, um, and I, I've, I've seen some extraordinary films. So you know, it'll be a tough year. Uh, for a documentary to take that, we'll probably talk about it soon. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I got, got a couple more. others here too. You got so a couple anyway. more before you
0: go? Yep. Yeah, no, hey, carry on. Why well,
1: I got War for the Planet of the Apes, which is interesting to me. In that this is becoming something of a cult classic mm-hmm. already. Mad from you know, Yeah, people like like love this movie. You know me. I'm an old school. Planet of the Apes, put a guy, take a guy, you take a guy, a human, a man, you (laughs) put put him in a monkey suit. That's the way you make a Planet of the Apes movie, baby. You put Uh, a man in a monkey suit. You know, this CGI stuff, Andy Strickland, I get it. You know, it's the new technology. It's the way these things are done. I can't help it. Give me Claude Aikens in a gorilla suit. Yeah. You know, looking more or less like Claude Aikens. (laughs) Nevertheless, you know, even though he's in the gorilla suit. Nevertheless, this film is very popular. People are liking it. Uh, quite a lot, 4K, actually, all kinds of things on here, uh, the Blu-ray and the 4K um, uh, DVD. So, you know, if you're into this sort of reboot of the Planet of the Apes movies, I guess this is one for you.
0: I What I liked about this, and again, I'm biased because Matt's a friend, but uh, and I do have a, a, a ritual now. Every time I, I see one of Matt's Planet of the Apes movies on the Fox lot, I I, I go into the screening room and I text him, and I and I say uh, I'm uh, I'm on the lot. I'm looking at some crap movie. It's better be good. <laughs> and the last time, the last time, I didn't even realize it because I went and saw it with a, another friend of ours from high school. He said, Oh yeah, Matt's in Germany right now. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And of course, a text came right back. And I'm like you know what time is it in germany it's like midnight he's returning my texts at midnight so anyway <laughs> funny funny uh but yeah that's that's a, a running joke i what i like about this film is that what he basically did was he decided he was going to make a john way a john ford western out yeah. of it yeah and uh which i think is very wise and uh yeah it's high noon it's, more or it, less it, it, yeah. in many respects it it borrows from a lot of different a uh, lot of different things but yeah it's it's a, it's a john ford western it's a little bit of high noon it's it's a it's a solid film, and uh, you know it didn't do as well as it probably could have. Mm-hmm. The whole summer was down for just about everything except for Wonder Woman, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, it and Wonder Woman. That's kind of it. With,
1: with the two with the, the movies that made as much money as everybody anticipated that they w- were going to make?
0: Another quick doc here called uh, Hans Richter: Everything Turns, Everything Revolves, uh, by a documentarian named Dave Davidson. This is from First Run Features, and. Um, the uh, if you're not familiar with Hans Richter Hans Richter is, 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 is a very particular art milieu, he's a painter, he was a, an experimental filmmaker from the Dadaist mm-hmm. school, which I still don't understand, people have tried to explain it to me, I really don't get it, but uh, that being said, a very interesting guy very interesting art, very interesting aesthetic and uh, this is essentially giving a, this is looking at his life and work Interviewing the people that he uh, he was associated with and um, a lot of stuff here that I thought was really really interesting You know, I didn't realize that he was he fled the Nazis in 1941 I, I didn't realize that you know, he was how many people he inspired so I, I learned a lot in this uh, Even though it's not my particular scene a lot of interesting sh- uh, DVD bonus shorts here as well from the uh, 1920s and then uh, a, a, a thing that's related to the film from 2012. So um, anyway, as far as uh, art documentaries go, Hans Richter, Everything Turns, Everything Revolves, worth checking out. Uh, personal shopper,
1: you know I'll, Olivia says film, yeah, which I saw for the show, and uh, uh, you know Kristen Stewart and uh, the lead. This is the Criterion
0: film, release of it. Criterion release, yeah. uh,
1: uh, director approved by. I, first of all, I, I, I rather enjoyed this movie. It's a very, fairly mysterious movie. We're following... That's what she is. She's playing a, a personal shopper. Yep. She shops for all these sort of famous and poor people. And it's all in Europe that's, that's going on. There's a murder that happens, So there's a bit of a murder mystery going on in the film. And then there's also this sort of ghost story going on in this film, too. Now, it's all a, a bit twee and, and, and whatnot. <laughs> but I do, I do like her in this movie. I just like watching her. She won. She won an award at the uh, Cannes Film Festival for this. I just I like watching her roam around in this movie. She is becoming. I haven't always been a big fan. Yeah, same here. Haven't always. Uh, She's always been a bit, um, well, a bit modern for me, particularly when she when she's playing something like the girl in the Twilight films or the Huntsman or something like that. But you know, she's sort of coming into her own. She was really, really good in in, uh, American Ultra. Uh and this film, and I'm starting to dig that. Anyway, this is an interesting film. Um, uh the Criterion Blu-ray edition of this. Uh not a whole lot on it, but some interesting things that you might want to check out.
0: Uh three documentaries here uh that are they're all movie related, all entertainment industry related. And the first one is so amazing. This is from the um, milestone collection. Milestone uh, Cinematech people who we absolutely adore because they just, they're so passionate about great movies and they do such great work restoring things. Um, it's called The Champion, a story of America's first film town. And this is all about uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And there's only been one documentary previously that dealt with Fort Lee, which just, it's, I mean, that came out from Image, gotta be like 15 years ago. And um, most people don't even know this story. It is amazing. Uh, it, It was just a little New Jersey town... Which is just right close to New York. Yeah, right across just, yeah, yeah. just right across there. And in the early days, uh, kind of at that transition moment when you were going from when the movies were becoming, just when shorts are starting, you know, yeah. the short short silence are becoming kind of a thing. They're moving right? out of the Nickelodeon, uh, right? The, the things that ten. people watch, you know, one at a time, and,
1: and becoming uh, theatrical things. Yeah. This
0: is this is when it kind of for uh, for a brief moment became the first Hollywood. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it's really an incredible story. I mean, it is. People if, think about all of those uh, old got
1: moving out from New York. Yeah. No, most of them moved out from New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, the first woman who ever had a movie studio, uh, Alice Guy Blachet, yeah, French woman, yeah. It, it,
0: it, the the studio that she owned was in New Jersey. Yeah. And 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 the, what the, what's sort of at the center of this. Is about the fight to save what is the last <laughs> remaining studio of that era, which is, it would be sort of the oldest actual studio in America. Mm-hmm. Might even be the oldest studio in the world still extant. I don't know if any of the original Japanese studios are still around from you know Shokiku and mm-hmm. and those guys. But um, you know, it's I mean, it's a it's really an incredible bit of hi- of history, and uh, it includes there are, there are two documentaries and eight films on here. Uh, it's a two disc set. And uh, there are some amazing uh, films here that are restored. Uh, the, uh, the Indian Land Grab from 1910. Um, there is uh, Flo's Discipline from 1912. You know, mo- these are mostly uh, early Universal Victor films. Um, then there's, uh, you know, an early Robin Hood from uh, 1912. A lot of really interesting stuff. And there's even uh, a Max Senate film from 1912, an eight-minute Max Senate single reeler, or a grocery clerk's romance. Really, really terrific. So interesting. Uh, I I just I you know you, you'll you'll learn so much about the early parts of early parts of film history It's really really great. So the champion a story of America's first film town From uh, the Milestone Cinematheque Really really great also done in uh, collaboration with the Fort Lee Film Commission. It should be pointed out There is a Fort Lee Film Commission who continues to exist to this day the other two docs a uh, great one from TBS, Richard M. Sherman songs of a lifetime He's the last of the remaining Sherman Brothers, the two guys who were Disney contract writers who wrote all those great uh, Disney songs, most famously all the songs in Mary Poppins. That's what really uh, everyone really, really remembers. The Sherman Brothers, just legendary figures. And uh, this is directed and produced by Don Hahn, who does a fantastic job and uh you know richard sherman lost his brother many many years ago but um, he's carrying the torch for their legacy and that he is still with us is sort of extraordinary and uh 60 minutes long should be longer but what a wonderful tribute and uh then lastly of these hollywood docs is harold and lillian a hollywood love story on blu-ray this was at the can film festival this was at a number of other uh, doc festivals and um this is essentially the story of Harold and Lillian Michelson, or Michelson, or however you want to pronounce it, but uh, Harold and Lillian Michelson, uh, who may not be really household names, but they worked uh, as storyboard artists and researchers for some of the greatest filmmakers of all time. and. Uh, it's sort of extraordinary when you realize that how much they contributed to the movies, not just the directors they worked with, but how much they were responsible for the, 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 the way the scripts were developed, the way the, the visuals were developed. Um, it's a great, you know, we talked about, you know, nobody in in Hollywood is professional. Mm -hmm. We should say it's the above the line, people who are always so unprofessional, the (laughs) writers, the actors, the producers, the directors, once you get to the below the line people, electricians, Craftsman. gaffers, craftsmen, carpenters, editors, sound mixers, storyboard artists, all of these people, the people at this level, they are just workaday working stiffs. It's a job. They take it very seriously. And they're the people that I most enjoy hanging out with because yeah. they just, you know, they, they, you know, production managers and those kinds of people. And, and that's who you're dealing with here. I mean, it's amazing. I will tell you none of the filmmakers Uh, That they were involved in but it's uh, it's a it's a love story set against the beginning uh, against the 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 backdrop of Hollywood and some great movies and um, It's a wonderful wonderful idea for a documentary. You learn about people you learn about the movies Uh, It's really worth checking out. It is Harold and Lillian a Hollywood love story by an amazing filmmaker named Daniel rame. It's definitely worth it
1: outstanding
0: outstanding oh um, Annabelle
1: yeah, didn't see creation Did not see this. this. is Annabelle creation. Um, yeah. It's part of the
0: Annabelle series of films, of course. But, but it, it all starts with... The, the Conjuring. The Conjuring. Yeah. Now, now, so this is like a spin-off series from The Conjuring because Annabelle was a thing in The Conjuring, and then we had The Conjuring Two, but then yeah. we had Annabelle, and which now we have back another to Annabelle. Where the doll came. This movie is about
1: where Annabelle comes from in the first place.
0: Okay, so that's these that's are all part of the extended uh, Conjuring uh, cinematic universe, universe, as they say. Yeah. Uh,
1: which, is, and, and actually, it's pretty good. All of these films have actually been pretty good. We're past Halloween now. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, if if you're into horror and you into good horror, these films all sort of work together well. Get get, get the whole dadgum set and, and, and check them out. This <laughs> one has some nice uh, special features on it. Uh, conjuring the Universe, so it speaks to the other films. Uh, a couple of short films and some deleted scenes and a featurette along with, of course, a director's commentary. So Annabelle, Creation, Blu-ray DVD. We've also got uh, The Good Catholic which is a you know, lovely family film. Not particularly good. Danny Glover and a few faces that you know. It's about a guy. He's a perfectly lovely Catholic priest. He loves God. He's committed to God. A really pretty girl moves to town and starts going to the
0: church. I what's what's this, he going to do? I hate yeah. this movie. Yeah, I didn't like this at all. Um, it, <laughs> I, you
1: know, from the director of Hoosiers and Rudy, um, so, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of... Uh, of, of, of Filmic quality here,
0: yeah. but
1: narratively
0: this 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 film is so obvious that the, it's obviousness is obvious It uses the it, it, it starts with and then it uses the confessional as kind of a cutesy as a meet-cute romantic comedy Thing and I you know, I guess I look I'm not Catholic, but that just strikes me as what yeah, really? Yeah. I don't I don't see the the irony is not making me swoon Indeed anyway, did Thank you have to talk about this on radio? No, because I, I, th- I think this was part of my week, and then I think they shuffled the date, and anyway, and I then guess. it slipped away from you, Johnson, yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff there. Oh, uh, Danny Glover, why can't you? Anyway. Whatever. Well, oh, no, no,
1: Danny Glover can't play he can't play bad
0: guys and, anymore. And John yeah. C. McGinley, all he ever plays are like eccentric oddballs. Like he's basically His character here is exactly the guy that he played on uh, on uh, the, the, the show? medical show. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Was, was it was it House or the other one? Grey's Anatomy. No, forget. not
0: Grey's. No, 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 no. The, the, the comedy that he was. Oh, oh, Scrubs. Scrubs. you. He was the scrub. I always got all three of those yeah. mixed up. Yeah. Uh, uh.
1: Um. Anyway, one more here, person to person. Um, this is one of those uh, several couples in New York films over the course of a day uh, and how they interact in their lives. And this Michael Sierra sort of at the center of it all, uh, as he hustled around trying to collect records and those kind of. Thing. It's a perfectly neat little New York-y sort of movie. Um, uh, uh, special features, you have an interview with the direction uh, uh, Gustin Dustin Gee De DeFA, I think it's his name, DEFA, DeFA. Uh, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. Anyway, neat little New York independent film. I like those kind of movies, so and I have no complaints there.
0: Yeah. Uh, a couple of documentaries uh, over here that are going to make you really depressed about the world, uh, but I'll get through them quickly. One is uh, is meat. A story of sustainable food. Uh, I have seen so many of these uh, documentaries now about how everything we put into our bodies is just poison and horrible, and and fats and sugars. Started and with food and ink a few years ago. Food ink is a, food ink. Food ink turned my sister-in-law vegetarian, by the way. Mm. Uh, so anyway, this continues that that thing, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to make you want to starve yourself to death. I I'm not going to deny you that it, it it's on blu-ray i think just to make it more graphic to make the animals look more real so that you just feel worse about wanting to have anything to do about eating them um but the the what is interesting about this is not the guilt trip that it lays on you which i'm never a fan of but um is the issue of sustainability and uh and that is where it gets interesting i'd love to see sort of a contrary point of view just to know of you know are the numbers? Are the assumptions? Is the science you know uh, being skewed? Any, but nonetheless, it is presented in a very persuasive way, and uh, it is for people who you know want to be completists about this genre, this subgenre of documentary. It's worth checking out. Uh, it is. Uh, it is also. It is also worth noting that this is a New Zealand production, and uh, food in New Zealand, sustainability in New Zealand, is a big deal because it's an island. You know, you uh, y- they have to sort of have a very robust economy that is very centered on their ability to feed themselves. So, you know, New Zealand doesn't really have to my knowledge, uh, any huge local trading partners other than Australia. Australia yeah. That's kind of it. So, you know, it's a very self-sustaining, uh, uh society. And then there's also injecting aluminum, uh, which is from uh, cinema Libre. And this is, this is really worth checking out because, um, the issue here has to do with vaccines and the fact that there are heavy metals, namely aluminum, in a lot of vaccines. And uh, this is something that we've actually started to do in my family because I have a daughter. You know, I have a four-year-old kid. And when you get vaccinated, you, you, you sort of want it, Well, is there mercury? Is there, are there vaccines uh, in the vaccines? Is there, are there heavy metals? You, want? You, you start to become very curious about what is in the vaccines. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. So the uh, the documentary is Injecting Aluminum. Definitely worth checking out. You want to be at least informed about it so that you can talk to your doctor about it. And that's, you know, that's everything. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Dave.
1: Uh, Dave made a maze. Uh, this was a neat little movie um, about a guy uh, who builds this maze. He's an artist, and he's frustrated because he's, he's, he's not making any headway. He's not, he's not doing any good. And he builds this maze. And it gets a little fantastical. It's kind of like those sort of middle '80s movies, you know, Goonies and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, only a little bit darker than that. And, uh, and 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 he goes into this maze. He builds it in his living room, uh, except for it seems to be like kind of like the TARDIS and 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 Doctor Who. It seems yeah. to be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And there are all kinds of things in there of his own making, probably stuff that comes from his mind. And his and his girlfriend goes into the maze and gets lost, and his friends. And, and people get killed in the maze. And anyway, it's called as Deaton Fantastical. I rather it, it enjoyed it. Uh, on this uh, Blu-ray, uh, you've got some behind-the-scenes uh, features, including a featurette and, uh, and a couple other things, uh, including a commentary from the director uh, of the movie, Dave, made a maze.
0: And then we have Revelator, which is an interesting little uh, independent film, uh, essentially about a... Um beautifully made by the way uh just a you know it's it's low budget and nicely shot and and nicely put together uh the the director and producer and writer and star and editor of the movie uh which tells you a lot about the the level of budget is jayvon alkin who um it's it's, you know for a one for one of these one-man indie deals it's uh, it's probably pretty it's 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 impressive. I mean that he pulls it all off. But I think would have been a better film if he'd have let some other people wear the hat. Uh, you know, does everything except be his own cinematographer. <laughs> so the uh, basically the what he he plays a a um a psychic a, a psychic who sees dead people. Yeah. Right. And he's a but he's not like a like hi I'm a famous psychic I see dead people. He's a messed up guy. He's kind of down and out. He's you know it's not it's about the dark side of being a psychic and
1: um it's a little noiry a little it's, it's thrillery a, there's a it, there's it's a,
0: not a very it's yeah. not terribly well it's not a very well told story it's a good looking film uh but um you know it's uh considering what he did and what you know the odds he faced in putting it together i would say i look forward to seeing more films from him in the future i can't totally recommend this to people but i do hope that he makes more money and uh, makes more movies and is able to kind of keep this career going because I want to see what else he does in the future. I kind of feel like this is uh, not quite there, almost like this is his student film. So if you're interested uh, in the work of Javon Auken, uh, check out Revelator. Otherwise, let's see what he does next. Yes. All right. Um, let's get into some uh, some television. We've got a whole lot of, whole lot of TV here. Um, Tim, let's start talk, talking for a second about uh this extremely unusual television oddity. Uh you know, of all the the TV Jackson related stuff, the uh this thing is just completely bizarre. Michael Jackson uh searching for Neverland. Yeah. So I guess anything is a is a is an improvement over the Joseph Fiennes thing. Yeah, which which I
1: still think in the in the context of a comedy <laughs> It is okay <laughs> for Joseph Fiennes to play Michael Jackson. It just better be funny, that's all.
0: So this is basically the uh, the, the final days of Michael Jackson, perform, who is performed here by Na'vi, um, who I'm not familiar with, but apparently now, is a... He looks a lot like Michael Jackson, well, though. He's a, he's a Ni- Michael Jackson quote, impersonator unquote, yeah. tribute artist. Tribute yeah, artist, sorry. Yes, yes. yes, Yeah, which means you're an impersonator. Uh, but they call him a tribute artist, which fair enough. I, I you know, he's I only think. ever been in projects where he played Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That's it anyway, uh, so this is this is just only the last two years of his life, and um, mostly sort of told through, from the point of view of, of 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 his bodyguards and people who saw him every day. It's a it's a, it's a it's still you know I, I just wonder about life. Like Lifetime has a very interesting profile, and they're trying to get outside of just the. These sort of beleaguered women yeah. movies, and and tell some more interesting stories, but they don't spend a whole lot of money on them, or else they really constrain the scale. And this is one of those.
1: But yeah, yeah. But Lifetime has been building up a a library now, an archive, a library of about about thirty years now. Yeah. I mean, that's enough of an archive to start your own streaming service. Yes, it is.
0: Uh, when you when you start going that deep. Uh, let's see. We got you know we got a couple of uh, some British things here. Uh, Humans 2.0 is uh, the story of people in a kind of a futuristic scenario who uh, who find themselves in I guess a terminatory kind of situation where um, the the quote unquote synths mm-hmm. that's the, in their lives begin to acquire consciousness and uh, the the you know it's humans versus AIs and it's it's it yeah, part Westworld,
1: part Blade Runner, part yeah. all of this kind of stuff. It asks some sort of interesting questions about you know what makes us human. You yeah. know, sort of the same questions at the center of some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 what we should do when we come to know that these things that we've built are after us, <laughs> or at least or, or at least paying attention to us. Yeah. Actually paying yeah. attention to us. Uh, I you know I watched five or six episodes of that,
0: but sort of floated away from it for no particularly good reason. Actually, uh, eight episodes here, uh, so we'll see where it goes in the future. It certainly seems interesting and promising. Uh, Midsummer Murders. There's no reason to keep you know drilling into this. This is series 19, part two. This thing's been around for 20 years, uh, and some uh, you know it, it's two two different two very lengthy mysteries here for a total of about three hours worth of mystery. Uh, nicely put together, beautifully on, uh, beautifully uh, transferred to Blu-ray. And uh, last week we uh, made mention of the wonderful Simon Callow in reference to uh, Brigadoon. Simon Callow shows up in uh, in one of these as well, and he's just absolutely fantastic. I never get tired of uh, Simon Callow. Um, so yeah, these are uh, the Midsummer Murder Mysteries series 19, part two. Continues to be uh, a very, very sharp show. Uh Orphan Black season five. Yeah. Uh
1: I gotta tell you, this uh, this series uh that I started well, I think 2013 or so is when it when it first started, and it just completely captivated me. And the way it sort of meticulously walks it its way forward as it gives you more and more of these characters and this deep plot and all of these sort of scene developments, and and uh Tatiana Maslani, who's just absolutely fantastic in this movie. I mean, what a gem! Uh, you know, playing various so many, so many different various versions of herself, her sister, mm-hmm. her, her 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 genetic twins, uh, who are so it's, it's really really sort of neat. So it's a show that I thoroughly enjoy. I'm watching the current season now, as a matter of fact. Uh, in any case, uh, special features include closer looks, uh, "Island of Lost Souls," uh, "The Epic." Clone Shot, uh, Clone-Centric, The Beginning and the End, and Out of Black. It's a really, really neat show. If you haven't been watching Orphan Black uh, and you don't feel like streaming it, just you know, pick it up from the BBC on Blu-ray, Season 5. Together, we are one.
0: Season 1 of Marcella, which I uh, I actually kind of discovered by accident on Met- on Netflix, and uh, I, I just, you know I can't stop watching it. Uh, eight episodes on two discs here from Acorn. This is a UK show that stars, the reason that I can't stop watching this, Anna Friel. I adore Anna Friel. I mm. don't know why she never became a bigger star, but I'm just thrilled that she's still out there and and, uh, and doing stuff. She's just, Anna Friel is the best. Uh, I love her in everything she does. And, uh, you know, Pushing Daisies was kind of a, a high point for her in her American career. She did a thing with Sherm. She did that show with Sherm, didn't she? Oh, uh, yeah. What?
1: What? Uh, it was that was, a, American Odyssey? Was yes, American it was Odyssey? American Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right.
0: Which just didn't last very long either. But uh, anyway, she's fantastic. She plays a uh, a, a police a detective whose marriage has collapsed. And now she's, you know, she was not on the force while she was married. And now she wants to get back into the game as a way of kind of coping with the, the destruction of her marriage. Um and uh, she doesn't necessarily pick up on new cases. She goes back to her old cold cases, right? So it's, uh, it's a fascinating character, and uh, she's really unstable and has all kinds of issues. And, I, you know, I, I think it's just absolutely terrific. I think it's a really, really great show. Um, highly recommended. Um, Marcella, season one, dying to see where this goes in the future. Eight episodes, really good, outstanding,
1: class,
0: uh, which is an interesting series
1: uh, of BBC that uh, is from the creators of Doctor Who, and in, in, indeed the series lives inside the Doctor Who universe. A couple of months from now, we're going to have ourselves a female Doctor Who. Uh, it's only been sixty years, so you know, good. You know, um, but this is a neat, this is a neat little film. As a matter of fact, when I watched the uh, debut episode of this film, Peter Capaldi, the current doctor, the current doctor up until, you know, now anyway, um, is, in, is in the first episode of this. This is season one, so uh, to this set, you get to check out how it all gets started, get the feel for how it exists inside the Doctor Who universe, uh, and the narrative is pretty good too. What we have are four young students at this academy and uh, in the UK, in London, and their teacher, one of their teachers, who is in fact an alien, and in fact... Uh a couple of these studi- students are aliens. Some of them don't even know that they're aliens. Uh, and it's interesting. Um, and, and it, it deals with time travel and other dimensions and all kinds of uh neat stuff that you know geeks like me thoroughly, thoroughly love. Uh so check it out from the world of the Doctor Who Universe class, season one. A few bonus features on this
0: too, including some outtakes and deleted scenes. Teen Wolf, season six, part two. Continues to be a thing. I uh, It's sort of amazing to me. This, this yeah. is a bit like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's right? It's the it was, exact same thing. It was a movie. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It had a thing. But then it was ever... a sequel movie with Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. And General then two. X number of years later. They turn it into a show on MTV, and it becomes a thing. Yeah, which so... is
1: nothing remotely like either one of the two movies, no, by the way. that's well. it. <laughs> Other
0: than that there was a Teenage Wolf in it. Utterly bizarre. So... Anyway, uh, here we are. We're in season six. I don't know what else I can tell you about season six. Part two, the second half of season six. I, uh, here, uh, let me try. You know what, Tim? For, for uh, five and a half seasons, this was a terrible show. But, <laughs> son of a bitch, the second <laughs> half of season six is amazing. I'm always
1: amazed by shows like these insanely sort of mediocre, yeah, usually sitcoms, sometimes hour-long shows, but usually sitcoms, that have insanely long runs. Six, yeah. seven, eight, nine. According to Jim... Yeah, apparently ran for something like thirteen <laughs> years, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> you know, a Jim Belushi show, and I there know. it was,
0: and that's another one of them. You know, I don't get it. You I know. really don't get it. But anyway, so uh, there it is. It's uh, Teen Wolf. Season uh, season the, Good Place, the Good Place, The Good Place,
1: sitcom, uh, a first season. Ted Danson, Christian Bale. You know, this show is funny. It's about a girl who dies and she goes to heaven, but she's a terrible, terrible girl and should have went to hell. But somebody made a mistake. <laughs> uh and uh, and thus she is in heaven or the good place as they say the good place wreaking havoc but trying to be a better person ted danson again uh we think of ted danson we think of sam malone ted danson had 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 had, an, had another show on the air i think he played a doctor or something in the show i never watched it that show was on the air for six or seven seasons becker is the Becker, name of Becker, yes, Becker. oh
0: my gosh, I forgot about Becker. Six or seven seasons. We, just, we you know, the, the complete Becker came out like last year or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you
1: know, and I uh, completely. I, I'm just saying that there was a time in my life when nothing ever appeared on television, certainly broadcast television, yeah. and probably the early days of cable television, yep. that I didn't at least know about.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah, those <laughs> days are gone. I would pick up the uh, the uh, TV guide for the new seasons. You know, the the, the fall preview TV Guide issue. And I I would read that thing cover to cover three or four times, and I was an expert on every show that was new that season. Commit it to memory. Yeah, that's... Oh, anyway. Uh, So MHZ Networks, who is putting a lot of stuff on their streaming channel, uh, still putting out some really cool DVDs. And one of them is a French crime series called Cain. They've released two seasons of this now. And uh, it's it's really quite cool. Uh, it's kind of like the it's like a French combination of Ironside and uh, you know I don't know I want to say Manix. It's like mm. Ironside meets Manix in France. Anyway, uh, Kane is a uh, is a police captain and he's in a wheelchair. He's he's you know he's disabled, but he's obviously you know a brain like mad. It's sort of like if Manix were Ironside. That's what this is. <laughs> he's really sharp. Uh, or maybe even Magnum PI. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Kane is a sharp show. There are two seasons here. I if you're going to get into this, you really do want to get into the second season. It's uh, because it, it further evolves the character and gets into some some really cool things. Uh, it's 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 really really cool. And uh, what I particularly love is that it's shot in Marseille because I lived in Marseille and I just I love Marseille as a backdrop for a show. And what I especially love is that you know there's there's a Netflix show with Gerard Depardieu. Called Marseille, mm. which is shot in Marseille, which is not good. No. It's just not good at all. Like I, I, I watched two episodes of that, and I want just shoot myself. I just thought this is boring me stiff. Kane, quite the opposite. Mm. Really cool show. Beautifully, beautifully shows off Marseille. Uses the locations to to great effect. Uh, and then we've also got uh, Inspector Winter, which is a uh, a, a Scandinavian cop show. Uh, very, very, uh, kind of, I feel like Mads Mikkelsen should be showing up at any given moment. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's, it's a Swedish show, but apparently it's very, very popular all over Scandinavia. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it's kind of like a really tough, icy, cold, uh, noir procedural show. Uh, a little bit, a little bit too icy for my taste, actually. But still, very well written, very well nicely, put, uh, very put, well put together. Uh, you know, solid production value. Uh, we've also got Paris, the Great Saga, which is a. Uh, a, a this is a little bit of a, a diversion for MHZ. Uh, this is just uh, basically a documentary, 3D CG look at the history of Paris. Very nicely produced. Uh, not a lot of stuff here that I didn't know, but I lived in France, so I, I guess I kind of, uh, in, you know, uh, all this stuff kind of seeped in through osmosis. Uh, but if you if you don't know the history of Paris, uh, it's really worth checking out. It's very nicely put together. Um, the uh, the CG animation stuff is is very very cool. It's it's highly informative, and uh, you can watch it in French or English, uh, so you don't need to worry about having to watch the thing in subtitles necessarily, mm. although you can. And then uh, "Murders at Bar Loom uh, is an Italian show that's a little bit offbeat for my taste. Uh, I, I I didn't quite get it. It takes place in a uh, small Tuscan village, and uh, it's you know kind of it's kind of a little bit like uh, I don't know I don't wanna, not not uh, exotic marigold hotel or I don't even want to say Greenacre. You know what it is? It's like <laughs> it's like it's like a, it's like Newhart. Ah. that's what it is. A little bit like Newhart. Bob and Emily Newhart, yeah, the, the the second Newhart oh, show. Oh, the when, other one, when, when, the, the New England yeah, uh, bed yeah, and breakfast yeah. thing, except not a, a three camera sitcom. Uh, that's a little bit what it is. Anyway, it's beautiful, uh, it's beautiful surroundings, but it's kind of a genre splicing thing. There's a little bit of procedural crime and a little bit of comedy and a little bit of just enjoy the Tuscan settings. And it's you know it's kind of a curious genre. I guess they do that on Italian television. And if you are uh, an Agatha Christie fan, you will probably thoroughly enjoy this trio of uh, adapted mystery novels uh, from Camilla Lackberg, her uh, three novels, The Preacher, The Stonecutter, and The Jinx. I am not familiar with the books necessarily, but the, uh, the Swedish adaptations of these are pretty engaging and very nicely done. Uh, the, I think the, the Jinx is the one that feels m- coolest. It has kind of a Hitchcockian vibe to it. But uh, otherwise, it's really, uh, it's great kind of procedural mystery and, you know, really gritty stuff. And Swedish television doesn't pull any punches. It's much, much better than uh, American procedural television that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rain, the fourth and final season, which I thought was actually a pretty good show, uh, mostly about Mary, Queen of Scots. uh oh, yeah. And the intrigue in the French court. Uh, but of course, involved uh, uh, Catherine de Medici and, and, and Queen Elizabeth the, the First, and, and, and all those sort of internecine relationships. It's all, you know, sort of done up like a sort of fancy Melrose Place set in the French court. Sure. But nevertheless, uh, interesting, and they get and they get a lot of the history right. Uh, this is the final, uh, uh, the fourth and final season of Reign uh, on DVD. Pretty good. I rather enjoyed this that quite a bit. So you know, if you haven't seen the fourth season of that yet. And then the bridge, uh, the original The Bridge, um, which I thought was also uh, fascinating. There, of course, is the bridge um, uh, that, that was done on American television, which was set on the border between the United States and Mexico, uh, a notorious border uh, that, you know, for all kinds of reasons. This one, uh, of course, is set on the border uh, between Denmark and Sweden when a body is found on a bridge halfway between Denmark and Sweden. These, Two detectives, one Danish, one Swedish, have to share jurisdiction and figure out what's going on. And then, as the rest of the series goes on, we get into human trafficking and all sorts of things. Uh, there, this is series three uh, of the Bridge, the uh, the original series, uh, Danish uh, Swedish series. Yep. Very very good, and I I got to tell you, better than the equivalent American show set between. United States and Mexico much better.
0: The very another very cool MHZ uh, show, and then the the last of the MHZ titles here is uh, is what I'm going to dovetail into the next thing. This is um uh, interesting cross cultural current stuff here. Uh, Agatha Christie's Family Murder Party, which is a French adaptation of uh, Agatha Christie, do uh, which is an uh, Hercule Poirot. It's, a Poirot. it's yeah. a Poirot. Yeah. So Agatha Christie. British novelist, Mm -hmm. wrote about a Belgian detective, Hercule Hercule Poirot, a French speaker, in English, which has now been adapted by the French. Interesting. I find that really fascinating. Uh, In any case, it's really not bad. Um, It's long. It's very, very long. It's, uh, you know, 370 minutes, which... Is a little bit too long for was, my taste. Was it
1: originally a, 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 a miniseries or a television uh, movie? Well, this is a mini series. This, it is, is, definitely, a mini-series, yeah, this so is
0: definitely yeah. This is definitely mini And it is a little bit too long, but it is extremely well done. And it's interesting seeing it um, in French, to be honest. It's that it just makes it kind of cool and authentic. So it's uh, it's interesting. the uh, The story here is actually a prequel to the Little Murders of Agatha Christie. And uh, I find it interesting because we are only weeks away from Kenneth Branagh's *Murder on the Orient or Express, Express*, yeah. Which, uh, which
1: I am really looking forward so to. So am
0: I. I got to tell you, the 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 the, uh, the trailers
1: are fantastic. Yeah, uh, it looks extraordinarily. It looks
0: David Lean. Beautiful. It does, and and you know I've seen that story twice before, obviously on uh, PBS, the, yeah, yeah, in the in there as part of their Poirot version, which is kind of. Scaled down, mm-hmm. and then obviously the old original movie with, yeah, uh, with the 78 with Peter Ustinov thing, yeah. playing Poirot, which is fine, which is fun. Uh, it's fun. Um, but some beautiful
1: scenes in that movie when they're outside the train and all that steam, yeah, that's some really beautiful moments in that right. movie, right?
0: So, I'm really excited to see what Brana does with this one, I really am. That's and,
1: uh... Johnny Depp playing something like a person,
0: yeah, <laughs> right? And then we have The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which again is this weird thing, it's like it's it takes place in France, uh, but yet this is a a, a an English language. It, they've, I mean, they've all been really English language adaptations for the most part. Uh, this is a, an English language adaptation that was done in uh, 1982 with uh, Anthony Hopkins as the Hunchback, and Derek Jacobi, uh is supporting. And uh, it, you know what? I had no idea that Anthony Hopkins played the Hunchback. I,
1: you know what? When we sometimes when I when I when I think about guys like him, yeah. And, and and why they're so good and how they got so good. Yeah. Well, that's how they got good. Yeah. They've been doing every kind of part, every role that you can think of for their entire career. It's a British thing, yeah. you know. Since he was 17 years old, there there is no character in literature that mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins uh, has probably not played.
0: I want them French to literature. do. I want them to do an actual French production of this now with Gerard Depardieu playing the hunchback mm-hmm. because he has never been more obese or grotesque than he is now, yeah. and I say that with all the love in my heart because I love him. But he is physically perfect to play the part now. He went all
1: Brando. You know, my uh, green card. I yeah. interviewed him. He did the drunken. You know, he yeah. to the Green yeah. card. He was starting to get a little big then, and that's about ninety. That's about nine. That might be ninety.
0: Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was. And
1: uh, and, and yeah, he and he gets went all Brando.
0: Well, anyway. Uh, and then as we uh, start to wrap the show up, uh, Ancient Alien Season 10, Volume 1. You know what, Tim? Mm-hmm. The first nine seasons of Ancient Alien terrible. But the first half of Season 10 is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, this show is what it is. I don't, I don't know that there's enough archaeology left on the planet to sustain any more of this, but somehow they keep finding it. With I, all
1: they, that filmmaking going on, you'd I, think I, we'd have I, actually tracked I, down one of those Eric right?
0: Eric Von Doniken is looking down from the pearly gates thinking props you guys I, I i was able to fill one book in one movie but seriously you 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 guys rock like even when the i remember when the sequel to to chariots of the gods came out the mm-hmm. outer space connection mm-hmm. i was you know i don't know what am i six seven years old or something and i see it with my father and even at that time i kind of looked i'm like oh all right this, is, this you're running on fumes <laughs> with this one this is a stretch you got you got my 250 and uh, and you ripped me off uh, and then uh, the definitive collection uh, Ernie Kovacs. Take a good look. Um, Ernie yeah. Kovacs is just one of the greatest comic geniuses in history. Uh, he changed television, changed yeah. it forever. You don't
1: watch Saturday Night Live now for Ernie Kovacs. Don't do what Ernie Kovacs
0: did. That's it. Not I mean, it without Ernie Kovacs, there is, there, there's no uh, you know, Conan O'Brien. Yeah. There's no David Letterman.
1: There would have there been no Laughing. There, there no. would have been, I mean, he, he inspired people who inspired other people. He's like, you know, six, six uh, generations removed from... Uh, Key know. and Peel. Key and Peel, yeah. Key and exactly.
0: peel. Uh, You know, you, it's just what he did was uh, a, a brand of comedy that just opened the gate for so much else. Um, anyway, this is all 49 existing episodes of the uh, original uh, game show. That Ernie Kovacs hosted, which was really not even—it did not even matter. It was a game show. It was—it's yeah. an Ernie Kovacs show. Yeah. It's an excuse for him to do what he does, and it's great. When they say 49 existing episodes, that's because there are episodes that are lost. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah. kinescope, yeah. yeah. So we don't have everything, but uh, we have a lot of really great stuff, and uh, you know, it's—it's it's just amazing. It—you you have to see it to understand what he did in terms of sight gags and. Um, working with spontaneity and, and guests, and it just—it's—it's really—it's uh, really an extraordinary thing. So this is from Shout. Take a good look. The definitive collection, 49 episodes from uh, a just a strange, bizarre, legendary, surreal moment in uh, television history and in game show history. To be honest, so it's—you uh, y- y- have to see this to believe it. If you have any of the other Ernie Kovacs stuff, you've got to get this. You have to be a completist. Yes. All right, with that, Tim, we're going to let you go. No. Um, we've had uh, we've had a good uh, good run this week. Let's see how things come. We also have we want to encourage you to go to the Cynegod site, cinegods.com. Uh Please also uh, like the CineGods Facebook page yes. and follow it. We're going to be uh, moving all of this stuff pretty quickly into uh, into high gear. We've only soft launched the CineGods site. It's There's going to be a lot hard. of good stuff there some a great articles, some, uh, some, some great essays uh, uh, about current events
1: uh, I reviews. just I
0: just yeah. did a thing on, on the 50 greatest screenwriters of all time overlooked by that other New York and Vulture piece uh, that was on the 100 best screenwriters of all time so we're, we're going to start ramping that thing up so please go check it out, send us uh, feedback to gods at digigods.com for now, we'll have other email addresses going forward, we'll uh, move all this pretty expeditiously into the future, and uh, we do have a, a, a gift guide holiday show coming up uh, end of November. We will tell you more on that in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, for now, we will uh, see you later. Alrighty, baby.
1: <laughs>